Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome into What Makes Me Mad, a podcast where I discuss the things that make me mad. What is going on, everybody? This is episode 145 of the podcast, another late night Friday recording, which means another early Saturday preview or listen for you guys. And I think it's starting to show some success because the last three podcasts I've done have had a release date or have been up by Saturday morning. And I think it's starting to show some success. Why? Because the last three episodes have gotten three views each before I was getting around two. Now I'm getting three. That's right. We're making a little bit of headway. I'm just going to keep coming and coming and coming on this podcast. And we're going to keep seeing those viewers go up, up, up. That's right. Resurrecting this baby back. That's what I'm going to do, and that's where we're going to keep this momentum going in the right direction. So I am very much looking forward to it. There's been some stuff, though, this week that has made me mad. I just tried to crack my knuckles to show that I'm getting serious about this, but unfortunately, I can't crack them that loud. And also, it'd be concerning if you could hear that crack super loudly. Uh, That would not be good for my fingers. It'd be like that episode of Spongebob where Spongebob tries to crack his fingers and then they just splinter all in every direction. That's actually one of my biggest fears as well, too. I know it was a Spongebob episode uh, and it's animated, so clearly that wouldn't happen. But you try to do that with your fingers. You keep going, keep going, keep going. Then just all the ligaments tear and everything. It's one of my biggest fears. But anyway, yeah, some stuff this week has made me mad and I am excited to talk about them. I think one of the first things that has made me mad, not only this week, but this month as well, too. It's So it's uh, February, and then uh, earlier this week it was January, which is what happens, you know, in months. You go from January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, December, right? And every four years, you have something called an election here in the United States, presidential election. You have people running Democratic Party and Republican Party, and then also some other third third-party candidates as well, too. Right, and so I think one of the things that makes me mad about it is everything is so goddamn different. I mean, when I look at the Republican Party side, prime example for this, some states, you have a caucus, and some states, you have a primary. Then you have to reach certain thresholds to reach each primary. Each state is different. Each state has its own unique laws, all that Hence why some do caucuses, some do primaries. Nevada, which is going to be coming up, is doing a primary and a caucus. I forget the reasoning for it. I have an NPR article opened on my phone, but I have not read it, where it's of, uh, of literally the headline is, why is Nevada having a caucus and primary? And I want to say... Trump's on one ballot, Haley's on the other, so I feel like it's kind of a waste of time because then they'll both get there, they'll both win Nevada and be like, ah, I won Nevada, Ah." and it's like, well, you know, there's two kind of separate primaries, and the reason why I get so frustrated about this, and on previous podcast episodes, I have said that, you know, I want to see more people engaged in politics, I want to see more people voting, I want to see more people, you know, uh, running for office, 
running to make change. You know, I feel like there's a lot of things wrong with our country. But the one thing that we can do uh, to help that is by running for office on our own. Like, if you don't like something, you have the power to go out and change it if you want. If you don't like your local congressman, you can go vote him out. If you don't like your school board, you can run for school board. You know, you can be mayor, you can be on committees, all this stuff, right? It's not set in stone. You have the power to change things, right? And I feel like when we do, like, primaries, caucuses, all this confusing stuff, electoral college, your vote counts this much, uh, all this other stuff, uh, each state is going to be different on what's what, that makes it really hard for people to follow along and, and like, actually vote. And, you know, there's a lot of different ways on how things should be run. Totally get that. But if you want people to come out, like, not having them be confused is a good start. Because, like, voter fraud and all that other stuff uh, is a pretty serious threat. Now, granted, if you do things mostly correctly, you know, you should be all right. But I've heard, like, you know, some weird instances where it's like, you know, people... Uh, have gotten jailed for random things and stuff like that. So I don't want to be like, oh, just go out and vote. It's not that hard. Well, in some states, really got to follow some lines and everything, right? Or you really got to follow some distinct rules and stuff like that, right? And I think this whole, like, oh, we're going to do a caucus because that's how we've always done it. Or that we're doing a primary because that's how we've always done it. I don't like it. I also hate the fact that you know, just it's same tradition every year. Iowa goes first, New Hampshire goes second, South Carolina third. Like everything's set in stone. Like I think it should be kind of more of a mix up. Like get some states out early because this is what happens a lot of times, right? Like you have a guy win like maybe three states in a row. Hey, he the media. Hey, that's the nominee. He's when he's running away with this. You know, uh, like uh, like he's a horse at the Kentucky Derby. He's out in front. Nobody's gonna catch him, right? Then it's like, well, why go out and vote for, you know, a guy? And that's not fair for the 47 other states that, you know, don't get a chance, really. And I mean, like, there's still obviously, like, a primary that will come around. You could still go out and vote. But a lot of these times, I feel like, or maybe that's just because, you know, 2024 is, you know, so fresh on my mind, where it's not really, you don't get to go so far into the, uh, you know, primary. You know, everybody wants things over to be shut down and quick, right? I remember 2020 uh, on the Democratic primary when it was like Joe Biden won South Carolina. People were already saying like, all right, Biden's the nominee. He won South Carolina. It's like, what? He he finished like, hadn't finished above third the past two times. And then he got a win in South Carolina. And it's like, you want to just stop the primary after three states? Give me a break. And I, I, I'm just more of a big fan of everyone's voice getting to be heard. And also too, I think it's dumb that in Iowa's... Uh, I think in Iowa's constitution, I want to say they just go, they get, they put it in law. Okay, we get to go first every year. And it's like, what? So you just get to make up the rules and everybody just follows them? Like, it should be like a more of a rotating basis. Like, could you imagine if every year the Super Bowl was held in the same spot? That would get boring after a while. And like, I like it when, you know, all, like you can rotate because it does great things for Iowa's economy. And I totally get that because, you know, all the candidates flock there. All the media, you got to book up those hotel rooms, uh, everything like that. Going to be spending money in Iowa. Totally understand why Iowa wants to go first. All eyes on Iowa, right? But I think it would be more fair if it was more spread out between each state. I don't understand why it's just got to be one at a time. Especially when 
This is what happens to Numb Nuts enters the race. Nobody knows who Numb Nuts is. Numb Nuts pulls at 1%, uh, has some funding of his own. A lot of times this is what happens. You have somebody that's like a, like a billionaire CEO or something like that. Thinks, oh, I'm going to run and I'm going to create change. Like this happened with uh, like uh, um, there are a couple of people, right? Um, Tom Steyer is one like on the Democratic side uh, that spent a bunch of money. Uh, Michael Bloomberg, another guy, right? Um, and then other side, you know, like on the Republican side, Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, Doug Burgum, I want to say, and then there are a couple other like tech CEO guys, something like that, that entered the race, really had no chance of winning, kind of just wasted everybody's time. Uh, and then, yeah, dropped out basically. And this is what happens, right? So a numb nuts enters, enters the race, says, I'm going to win. We're going to create change. Tell you what, bud, month in, you could tell if somebody going to win the race or not. And I tell you what, those people that don't get above 1%, they ain't winning the race. I think Aza Hutchinson maybe actually might still be in on the Republican side. Like, listen, man, you're failing to qualify for the debates. You're going to get sixth at Iowa. We all know what's going to happen. How about you just stop wasting everybody's time and drop out? And so what happens is in Iowa, everybody gets there. Everybody, anybody that's not third or above, basically, it's like, well, you had a shitty ass performance. You need to hit the road, Jack. And so what I feel like needs to happen is Iowa should maybe get to, you know, go first. But also, too, it can be spread around. Multiple states can host. I don't know why, like, it's just got to be this whole one at a time thing with, like, you know, if we can have a Super Tuesday where a bunch of people are hosting elections, couple other states should maybe get to host right away so that way like the field could just get evened out a little bit more because how fair would it be if you know somebody like say somebody is african-american trying to run in iowa when it's mainly uh you know like a white voting class crowd like they're just not going to do well there it's so like that's kind of what happened with biden's campaign in 2020 where it was he didn't do good in iowa he didn't do that great in new hampshire but then went to south carolina uh, where his strongest base was at, and then did great. And it's like, you know, maybe instead of just declaring all these campaigns dead right away, maybe you have, like, three three, uh, three states go first, something like that. Iowa, New Hampshire, maybe another one. And then the following week, you have another three states go. And that way, you're giving more states opportunities, for, pe- for one, for people to vote. Two, you're giving camp candidates more opportunities to go out and vote like after a while there's only so many counties in iowa all right like yeah you can go to every county let everybody like but if you're able to hit up multiple states like that's just giving more people the right to vote right i think that's like better as a whole for your you know primary you give more people chance to vote and then that way in the general election when the general election comes around it's like all right you voted for this guy like most most states voted for this guy. You should be well set, right? This whole mindset of, okay, after South Carolina gets done, we have our nominee. Eh, I get you don't want to have, you know, a contested primary or anything like that. And you want to just rally behind one guy. But if it were up to me, it'd be like three states one week, three states another, and then maybe like two. And then like you maybe have like one week where it's one week showdown or something like that, right? And the field's starting to separate itself. Because guess what? If you have three states go first... The numbnuts that entered is probably most likely not going to win any of those states. And then he can realize, oh, after three states, okay, I dropped out. 
Or, you know, you you don't have to have someone be like, we placed distantly in third. We're doing great. Like, no, they can realize like, okay, we were third here, second here, fifth here, or like third here, fourth here, and sixth here. We're not going to win anything. So let's drop out now and save the embarrassment. It just drives me nuts when people do that. Also, too, when people don't read the room, like there are so many candidates out there where it's like, you have no shot of winning. Stop wasting everybody's time and get out of the race. Like, there's that one guy uh, in the minute from Minnesota, Dean Phillips, is running for uh, on the Democratic side. The dude lost in New Hampshire to Biden, who was even on the ballot. People went to the polls and wrote in Biden's name and beat Phillips. And the dude is still in the primary. It's like, do you know how badly you've got to be performing to where you have to convince people to show up for an election and then write your name in? Dude was on the ballot all by himself. Lone opportunity couldn't dunk or couldn't convert the layup. Dude lost badly, might I add, but is still trying to paint it as, hey, we did good in New Hampshire. Like, bro. You got the opportunity to start at the 10-yard line while the defender was at the other goal line and somehow you got tackled before reaching the end zone. You're not meant to play football no more, Jack. Drop out, stop wasting everybody's time, and get on with your life. This whole fiat... And another thing that's driving me nuts, too. Another thing that, that on both sides do this. They enter the race, and they seem to forget what they do. And as much as it gripes me, like when CEOs and other people try to get into politics who have no experience, no background running politics or anything like that, they get in, at least the one thing they'll do is they'll step down from their role to focus on the presidential campaign. I hate it when sitting senators, sitting House of Representatives or governors enter a presidential race and then they pay no attention to their home state. It drives me bananas, like the Phillips guy, right? He hasn't been in the House of Representatives to do pass any votes right now. And do you know how narrow of a majority it is in the House of like the, in the House of Representatives? Laws could be passed if that guy was there voting, potentially, right? Or he could block bill. And that would piss me off so much as if I was one of his constituents. It's like, dude, you have no shot of winning this race. Get back to your actual job. It's same thing, right? Uh, Ron DeSantis enters the presidential campaign. Totally understand why, right? He was clearly a front runner for the nomination. Fresh off a hot victory at the 2022 midterms. Probably did the best out of any Republican in the field. Dude had crazy momentum. Totally would get why you would want to turn that into a presidential campaign. But the moment he ran, started running for office... He completely forgot his job as governor. And the dude spent the whole summer in Iowa. Spent, went to every county, which, hey, I totally get. That's a good marketing campaign strategy. Visit every county. But if you're the governor of a state, you need to be there for your constituents. Not this whole, I'm going to just basically live in Iowa. That's not fair to the people that voted you in. Now, yeah, I get it. If you want to go to Iowa and all that, that's fine. But you should at least be back in Florida. There's no reason why you can't spend four, day, four days in Florida, go to Iowa for three days, go back to Florida, 
make sure everything's good, pass some laws, do all that stuff, go back to Iowa. Like, you can go back and forth. This whole, I just got to constantly be at this one state, it doesn't do good for anybody. So, I don't know. There's a lot of things I would change. Personally, if it were up to me, if you were running for office, you must step aside. Like, if you're in office currently, you should step aside, let somebody else run things while you are away, and then when you come back after you lose, you should be allowed to take things back over. I think that would work out great for everybody. But I'm so tired of all these governors, senators, House of Representatives people entering the race and then just not doing their job because they're trying to run a presidential campaign that they're inevitably going to finish, what, fourth in Iowa? Like, congrats, bud. Like, we all saw that coming. And there's just some laws that I would love to see changed. I'd love to see, you know, primaries, caucuses, all things differently, make things more unified. And also, too, uh, where there's so many, like, people running for office, they've got to have certain set of rules that they got to follow as well, too. I know I don't talk politics much on this podcast, and I try not to, but I feel like there's just some stuff that I've seen, Democratic, Republican, that I'm like, you want to know what? That should be changed, right? And especially another thing as well, too. There should be a cap on, like, how many people can run for office or, or for president. I say 20, and here's your deadline. None of this whole, I'm going to wait uh, a couple weeks, then enter, and then, or, like, uh, Democratic side 2020, there was like 28 people running and having 10 people up on a debate stage, it's just people arguing. Another thing I would love to see changed for debates, uh, no, no audience. So that way you're not just trying to, uh, say things to pop an audience because that will make you look more favorable. Uh, I really liked back in the sixties when they did the first televised debate, they had two people at the podium. It was Nixon and Kennedy. One person would walk up, answer a question, walk back to his podium. The other one would walk to the podium and then walk back. It's super annoying listening to two people argue because then you don't get anywhere. Yeah, I get there should be rebuttals and stuff like that, but let one person talk at a time. And especially now, we have the technology to shut off microphones. If people are just constantly bickering and all that, shut it down. Like this whole, we don't need to see that train wreck. And I'm not looking forward to it again this year because they don't make any changes to it. And especially on the Democratic side, like uh, in 2020, it was just four people or it was over 10 people up on stage arguing. Same thing with the Republican side as well, too. And it's just you you waste so much time. You don't get the policy talk. That's why I honestly kind of like town halls a little bit more where it's like they'll have a candidate up, talk, answer questions, doesn't have to worry about being interrupted. Does a lot better, I think. And that way you're able to listen because then it said like these debates just kind of turn into a circus where everybody's arguing with each other. And I don't think that's good for anybody. So that just kind of, you know, makes me mad about that stuff. But I I think just there's some stuff I would love to see changed uh, when it comes to how elections are run. But that but that's just me. Right. But that's what's cool about our country. I can say that, have the opinion about it. Other people will feel a certain way, but we all go uh, about our lives and live our lives. Like, I don't have to get thrown in jail for saying stuff like that, which I think is neat. Anyway, another thing that makes me mad is the notorious Oakland A's owner, John Fisher. That big buffoon continues to drive me up the wall. This knucklehead is now apparently doesn't have a spot for the A's to play in after this season. Apparently, he has 
I'm not quite sure. You want to know what? Actually, let me pause the podcast. I'll do some research and I'll come back. Give me one moment. Okay, I'm back. So basically what's happening is the Oakland A's are planning to move to Las Vegas by 2028. In the meantime, though, I do believe that the A's uh, lease with their stadium is up in 2024. So they'll play one more year this year, but then the move to Las Vegas uh, doesn't start until 2028. So there's three years where they have no idea where they are going to play. And first off, one, it's genuinely hilarious to watch this billionaire absolutely boggle, or I mean, I should say just fumble the bag on this move. The dude is a notoriously bad owner. He's failed in other pro sports, and he's ripped the A's basically away from Oakland. He's had them since, I believe, 2004, has never spent any money on them, has never spent any money on the stadium, constantly wanted the public to fund more of the stadium, and then walked away even when there was a decent deal, all because he wanted to move the team to Las Vegas. And it's like if you never, and then he cites poor owner or poor attendance uh, for the move and all this other stuff. When in reality, the A's have been there for a really long time, uh, a strong franchise, but basically Bud just wanted to move him, uh, move him so that way he could stroke his own ego, get a whole new publicly funded stadium. All that good stuff, right? Now this Neanderthal doesn't know or can't even answer the question of where are the A's going to play for the next three years because they don't have a home 2025, 2026, 2027, right? And apparently now it's getting so bad to where MLB can't even plan in advance their schedule. Like they can't like start filling out dates on where teams are going to go and the owners continue to put up with this dude. The move to Las Vegas should never have happened in the first place. But yet they're all like, oh, let's go to Las Vegas. Let's go to Las Vegas. You want to expand to Las Vegas? Put in an expansion team. Don't take an existing franchise. Rip rip out that fan base's heart by moving them to a new area. Like we're getting to the point now where we know how to make expansion franchises work. We've seen it with the NHL. They expanded Seattle, Las Vegas, and it's worked. When you move franchises it really doesn't work as well now because it's like they've kind of already got it in existing like look at the two moves with the los angeles franchises right chargers their owner oh you're not going to give me a publicly funded stadium i'm going to move our uh team to sandy or i'm going to move our team from san diego to los angeles the rams oh you're not going to give us uh what we want for a publicly funded stadium well we're going to move to los angeles and then it's like guess what they really don't have as much of a home crowd. Like, yeah, they have celebrities that go to the games, but most of the time there, it's like 65-35 in favor of the home or the away team's fans. Same way, same thing with Las Vegas, right? Oakland, uh, the Oakland Raiders moved from Oakland to Las Vegas. Brand new, fancy, state-of-the-art stadium, all this stuff. Guess what? 50-50 crowd. It's like, you know, maybe read the writing on the wall, you guys, where it's like maybe... The move isn't the best part. Maybe just continue to grow relations in your community. That's what I would do. Uh, but, you know, hey, you guys, like, want to see the bigger picture. You don't see uh, in front of your nose with with these dollar signs. So, you know, hey, you want to go uh, lose the public war for a fight to this? Yeah, go for it. See what happens. See what happens when you get your ass kicked. Uh, 
So John Fisher now decides, you know, hey, we're moving the franchise. Uh, dude, dude gets there for the opening press conference, right? Very little fanfare. Why? Because Las Vegas is kind of a tourist city. Yeah, not maybe not the best spot to have a ballpark or put a major league baseball franchise. Uh, but yeah, little to no fanfare. Dude's already pissed off Oakland. And now he's like had major snarls when it comes to Las, the Las Vegas planning. I think they're planning the move. I'm, I'm not even sure if the stadium's even finalized yet because it always seems like he's got to go back, ask for more. And these politicians out there, man, like the dude sucks. It, it frankly blows my mind that all these politicians, baseball players, and, and other baseball owners think that this dude's a good idea. Guess what? Owners can kill a sport, man. And if you don't have these good, like, if you don't have a good owner in there, like, you could do serious damage to the sport. And so it just blows my mind that these uh, owners are just like, well, we're just going to go ahead with it. Like, the dude sucks. Somebody needs to step in and be like, no, this is ridiculous. You don't know what you're doing at the helm, and you haven't been able to do it well for a long time. You need to sell the team and you're going to sell it to somebody else that is going to, you know, actually give a damn about their franchise, right? Look at the Baltimore Orioles. They had like uh, their family that had, uh, owned it for like a really long time, didn't do a whole lot with the franchise, never spent any money on it. They decided to sell to two new owners. Those two owners, they come in. They make a big trade for Corbin Burns and an all Cy Young winner. And it's like, holy shit. Now all of a sudden the fans are all excited because it's like they had a good postseason run last year. But now it's like, hey, not only that, we're making moves this year. We're going to be aggressive. We're going to sign people. And it's like, that's what you want to see from a ball club. Tired of all this. Oh, we're just going to be bad. You know, we got to be young, cheap talent like we got to sign all these guys young we just don't have the existing payroll it's like you own a major league baseball franchise you have the money spend the money that also blows my mind that the uh brewers owner though they finally get a deal done when uh on miller park with like the upgrades and all that stuff what does the dude do he then decides to trade the start his starting pitcher Instead of working out a contract extension for them. And it's like, man, these people just love to stroke their own egos and then sell their franchise at a higher value than what it originally got. You want to know what I would love to see from these sports? If you buy a team, you're lot, you know, the owners have the right to kick you out, which obviously they do. But instead of this whole, you sell the team for a higher rate, like you could be the biggest scumbag in the world. Like look at Dan Snyder, uh, Look at Donald Sterling for uh, the Clippers. You can be the biggest scumbag in the world when it comes to being an owner. Absolutely garbage, but you could still make a profit for when you first buy the team and then you sell the team. And I think that's a load of crap. Like Dan Snyder, horrible human being, should not have been able to make a profit from the Washington football team sale. Or from the Washington commander sale, I should say. Donald Sterling should not have been made a profit, should not have made a profit for his sale for what he did. It should be whatever you bought the franchise for. If you get kicked out for some reason, all that happens is you get that money back and then the uh, league gets involved or like the league takes ownership of it since they are part of, you know, either the NBA, NFL, NHL, or MLB. The league will take ownership of it 
And then when they think there is a ownership group that is available that will take the team and invest in it, they then sell it to them. That's how it should be. Instead of this whole, you get one crappy billionaire and then their crappy uh, sons and daughters take over the team and then they're even worse. Nepotism runs uh, down that family for about 30 years. They then sell it to another shitty equally as bad billionaire and their family. They run it into the ground as well too. And then after so many years, they're like, well, our attendance is declining. We need to move the team. It's exactly what happened with the uh, Chargers as well, too. The Span Spanos family, right? Uh, finally, like Dean Spanos, terrible owner, right? Chargers, always dysfunctional. Hmm, I wonder who we could blame. Yeah, probably the guy that owns the team. And it's like he can just run it as long as he wants do all this stuff, be just an absolute idiot, move team, move this, uh, move the team, all this, and then guess what? At the end of the day, he's gonna sell it, make a big, huge profit on it. Same thing with John Fisher, right? Dude has never run a successful business, was born on third base, acts like he hits a triple every time, and it's like, dude's just gonna basically after a while be like, all right, I'm kind of sick of the whole baseball thing. I'm gonna sell the team, and he's gonna sell it for a big old profit. And then he's going to act like he's the greatest thing on God's earth because, oh, I'm such a big, rich, big shot. And it's like, dude, you're just lucky that nobody stepped in and been like, you need to sell the team. So once again, I am fully throwing my support behind the Oakland A's. Uh, John Fisher needs to sell the team. I fully support uh, them staying in Oakland. Uh, I think the Coliseum is one of the last great dive bars. And I, while it may be a dingy stadium, I think it still could definitely be renovated and look decent. You take down Mount Davis, put up some, like, you know, actually make it a baseball stadium again instead of a multi-purpose stadium. And, yeah, Oakland supports their community. This whole, you know, oh, we can't get the A's be profitable. I guarantee you, they spend a little bit of money in there on some free agents, actually be decent, they can fill the stadium. That, again, like we've seen it time and time again with the reverse boycotts. You know, I fully support Oakland. Again, I hope hopefully they have, you know, they boycott opening day, which I think they're planning on. But then also, too, they'll probably have another reverse boycott where they fill the stadium and show that they can definitely support the team. So once again, I fully support everybody that goes out and does it. If I was in Oakland, I would totally do it. Uh, and if anything happens like that in Milwaukee, just because I don't trust that owner at all up there, I would definitely get behind that as well, too. We got to stop letting these rich pricks uh, ruin our fun sports teams, all right? Sports are supposed to be fun. And shit like this pisses me off. So, again, just want to sh uh, show my support to all the fans out there that have had their uh, teams ruined by shitty owners. Uh, so, yeah, you guys have my support. Anyway, that's going to do it for this week's edition of What Makes Me Mad. Thank you guys for listening. I will see you next time. Thank you.